Today we are talking about an epic bout. It was a battle for the ages. It was Jesus versus the devil. As important of a battle as this was, in the grand scheme of things, it was more of like kind of an undercard battle leading up to what would be the main event. Now, the main event, of course, would be the exact same matchup as the undercard, and that being, once again, Jesus versus the devil. But it was at the cross of Calvary for the main event. And yes, I know that technically this was the same battle all throughout Jesus' ministry, Jesus versus the devil. But for our sake, let's stick with the idea that this event we're going to be talking about right now is the undercard bout leading up to the main event. That being Jesus versus the devil in the Judean desert. It's been years ever since that shocking night at Buffalo Wild Wings when I went out there with my brothers to watch a UFC fight night. And as we were eating, enjoying uh, the show and talking amongst ourselves, all of a sudden my older brother said, Bill, look, it's Gerald. And I looked around the restaurant to see where Gerald was. I knew exactly who he was talking about. And I said, where? I don't see him anywhere. And he said, he's on TV. I was like, no way. Gerald Harris, he's on TV. That's amazing. So Gerald Harris was actually one of the undercard fights. And to put it lightly, he dominated the guy. His knockout was so profound, so amazing that uh, it was number one on ESPN's top 10 plays of the week. A few, month, a few months later, he had qualified for the main event. So he was on the, the higher ticket. And so he went out and this particular opponent, though, was a little bit different from the first one that he fought. This opponent was more experienced, he was stronger, and he was just all around a better fighter than the first guy that Gerald had fought. And as courageously as what Gerald did fight, unfortunately that did not uh, prevent him from losing that fight. As impressive as a, as a fight as his undercard, vic his undercard victory was, this other guy was just a much better fighter and thus took away the victory from Gerald. This bout in the desert was a big deal. It put Jesus onto the stage for the main event. As challenging as it was, it would hardly compare to the challenge he would face later on. If you'll turn with me to Luke chapter 4, in it we find the same story as in Matthew, uh, Jesus tempted in the desert. But if you look at verse 13, you will notice that the gospel writer wanted his reader to know that this was not the last time that Jesus would encounter Satan. It reads, When the devil had finished tempting, he left him until an opportune time. I don't know about you, but for me, every time I read that verse, it sends chills down my spine. It's a very sobering reminder to us. Resist the devil, and he will flee, but he will always be lurking in the shadows, waiting for an opportune time. Now, don't misunderstand. Jesus was not blindsided by his enemy. Matthew's gospel reveals that Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. And while he was there, he fasted. Jesus was hungry. And when we are hungry, we become susceptible to attacks that we would normally be prepared for. I think of the old Robin Williams Snickers commercial from back in the day, where 
Robin Williams is a football coach, and time is running out in the ball game. And his players run to him and ask him what it is that they should do. So Robin Williams pulls out this whiteboard that has X's and O's all over it. And then he tells him, I want you to go out there onto the field and look for anything that looks like an O. Let's kill them with kindness. And Jimmy, I want you to make balloon animals. <laughs> well, the assistant coach realized that there was something just not quite right about the head coach's instructions. And so he offered him a Snickers bar. And after taking a bite, Williams turns into the real head coach and they go off to play hard to try to win the game. As comical as this illustration was, sadly, I can relate. I tend to get very cranky when I am hungry. Hunger tests your spirit. Jesus was hungry, and so he was susceptible. So the devil hit him right where he was vulnerable, right in the gut. In essence, he was saying, come on, Jesus. I know you are hungry. Make yourself some food. After all, what loving father would allow his son to starve? Now, what a bizarre temptation. I thought that Satan was trying to get Jesus to sin. And there isn't anything sinful about eating when you're hungry, right? Uh, and I don't recall a command that says, Thou shalt not turn stones into bread. I don't know if you do. I don't recall any command like that. Well, Romans 14.23 says that whatever is not from faith is sin. Well, Jesus was fasting. And his response to the devil's temptation revealed the purpose of his fast. It is, uh, He says, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And Jesus believed that statement. He had faith in that statement. And to fail to trust the scriptures in this instance would be a lack of faith on his part. And to perform this miracle, to turn these stones into bread, then would have been not out of faith, therefore a sin. So Satan was tempting Jesus to not be faithful to God and to respond in sin. When we commit ourselves to performing God's work in our lives, let us see it through to the end. No excuses. We can't say that oh, I can't do what God tells me to because I'm hungry or I can't do it because it's too hard or even, well, it's not a sin for me just to quit in the middle of something. Well, if it's God's call on your life, then to quit is to sin because we aren't being obedient to him. Well, next, the devil takes Jesus to the top of the temple and says, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You see this? Satan was quoting Scripture. He knows Scripture, and he twists it against the Son of God Himself. Now, have you ever heard of, ever had anyone do that to you? Now, as a minister, I have to say that this is something that happens quite often, that people often justify themselves by taking Scripture out of context. Now, that is what the devil did here as well. And had Jesus lacked authority in this moment, the devil's next response probably would have been something like, well, don't you believe what the Bible says? Listen, God can do whatever he wants. But the only time I've 
ever seen God suspend the law of gravity the way the devil was uh, saying that to Jesus that he would was when I saw Elmer Fudd hunting Bugs Bunny in Looney Tunes. The Lord will work when the Lord will work. Do not tempt him by saying, If indeed you are God, you will not allow me to plummet to the bottom of this canyon. Jesus said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Once again, Jesus used scripture. He quoted from Deuteronomy to combat Satan. And he believed in the word that was written. The last temptation was to take Jesus to the top of a really high mountain. Now, by my estimation, the devil may have given Jesus a vision, or maybe Jesus actually saw all of the kingdoms of the world on top of this mountain. Regardless, he tempted Jesus, saying, All this I will give you if you bow down and worship me. Now, this particular temptation appears as though it really made Jesus angry. He did not just respond to Satan. He commanded him to go away. Now, how often, how often for you does that work? How often have you felt tempted by the devil and just said, Get away from me, Satan. I don't know about you. I've tried that before and it doesn't work for me. But that's because I lack power and we lack power. We lack authority. Which is why I am grateful that we have Jesus' example of citing Scripture inside of our Bibles. Scripture has authority. We lack authority. God has authority. And we can use his word to resist the enemy. But when Jesus said, away from me, Satan, I'll bet you that the mountain probably shook a little bit. Fear probably gripped the devil as he may have suspected that perhaps he went a little bit too far. He hit a nerve, but it wasn't the nerve you strike with your little brother when you're picking on him. Rather, it's kind of like striking a nerve on Hulk Hogan back in his prime, triggering him to hulk up and run wild on you. Jesus finished his statement by saying, For it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. That was what this was about the whole time. Who would Jesus honor, his Father in heaven or the devil below? 1 Corinthians 15.22 refers to Jesus as the last Adam. Adam was also tempted by the devil. Whereas Adam was well-fed and living in paradise, Jesus was hungry and in the desert. The irony is that you would have thought Adam had a better chance of conquering the temptation than what Jesus did. Adam knew what would happen if he failed this test. And who would ever want to lose a place in the Garden of Eden and living in paradise for all of eternity? But Adam was defeated in this main event long ago. Jesus came prepared. He squared off with the devil face to face. The devil even had home field advantage per se. And when you think of it in human terms, the odds were stacked against Jesus. But Jesus' advantage was that he was God, that he is God, and he was faithful to his Father's commands. But this battle took a toll on Jesus' humanness. Angels had to attend him after he fended off the enemy. Now keep that in mind. God is not just going to hang you out to dry. He will restore you. He will reward your efforts by ministering to you 
even in the desert where no one else is present. God will send his servants to clothe your spiritual wounds and to strengthen your spiritual muscles. In times of trial, remember, he has overcome the world. 1 John 4.4 tells us, The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. So do not be subject to the bread of this world. Rather, be subject to every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I'd like to thank you for joining me for today's sermon. My name is Bill Singh from Faith Presbyterian Church. You can join us on Sunday mornings at 1030. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe.